0: You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jam. Hey everybody, it's Michael Jam and welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. I have a very, very special guest today. This is my old friend, David Litt, who is the creator of perhaps one of the last giant hit multi-camera sitcoms, King of Queens. Mm -hmm. King of Queens. Like that's, there really haven't been too many multi-camera hits. There's been a couple, but not many. And so here he is, David. And not
1: men that have run 25 years
0: continuously. Oh, you mean still in syndication? You mean still running somewhere? Still. Never been off the air since 98. Wow. Well, we're going to get to all that. I want to hear. Let me just give you a little bit of roll up. So, because I want people are going to want to know who, what else you've done. So, you, you actually, you wrote on Real Monsters, which is, my wife was like a voice on that show. I think we talked about that. She, she was Dizzle. Uh Dizzle. Yeah, yeah. Now, now
1: that character may have left. I I I left to do a sketch show. What show was after that? After about six months. So I was there with Ickes, Oblina, uh, and uh Crum.
0: Crumb, interesting.
1: Now okay. great
0: place to work, by the way,
1: for anybody who uh uh has the opportunity.
0: What in, in kids' uh, animation?
1: Chupo. What's that?
0: Where can you cut out? I don't know. Classy Coupeau. Oh, the yeah. Great place to work. Did, but, uh, they, are they still making stuff, though?
1: I don't know. They used to be Rugrats. I don't know if they still do, but right. they're unbelievably talented and like really great to the creatives. And so, in other words, if I if I we, we can build a time it. machine. That was my first, so, your advice My, is- the, my first job. Uh huh. I got was on uh was on a real monsters and the earthquake hit the first day I started right the Northridge quake hit so they to their credit they paid everybody they even though they were closed for a couple of weeks they paid everybody interesting they were the studio too
0: how well how did you get that job because, OK, let's, let's start from the beginning. You're from you're you're from Queens. You you know, you live that life of King, you know, right. And so we'll get there. But how did you get your first job on, you know, writing? The- yeah, I don't
1: like to brag by telling people I'm from Queens. But yep, you can't. Hide. I am. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> <that's> that obvious. <laughs> um, How did I get that job? Here's how I. I Fast forwarding a little bit uh i moved from new york to la the first week or two i was there i made a commitment i was going to go to every party i got invited to
0: Mm.
1: because i'm not a party guy i don't like going to these things but but i felt like i had to make friends i needed to meet people so somebody a friend of a friend said hey come to this party out in the palisades I said, okay, I meet this, uh, kind of diminutive little woman, little girl, Uh. very sweet. We chatted for like an hour and, uh, (laughs) I go home and I get a call the following day from her and my ego, I'm thinking, oh, (laughs) she's totally into me, (laughs) But, uh, but she wasn't as it turned out she wasn't into me at all but she had a job for me and wanted to know if i was interested in it or not and of course little did she know i was living on my credit cards i was literally i had four credit cards max uh-huh. and i was taking cash off the fifth to pay the four did you have any? and kind she's of date- going are you interested it was, <laughs> by the way i still remember it was 2000 uh it was in a week and i was like uh yeah i'm interested but she wait she and she worked for klasky shupo her name was laverne mckinnon a shout out to her She's, she made my career she made my life i right. mean she took a chance she didn't know me from shit. she just thought oh this guy's funny
0: and you had and you no had a script idea. ready she, she must have read your script no not at
1: that point she hadn't she subsequently read something um but at that point it was like she was going on instinct like oh this guy made me laugh wow we have a comedy coming up and let's bring him in and meet with him and
0: so she worked with in development at klasky chupo she she was right underneath
1: arlene klasky and gabor chupo that's the klasky
0: and the Chupo. right and they're the producers of that um the show that
1: but but wait,
0: wait, how long had you been in L.A. at that point? And how were you making a living before before that at all?
1: Uh, let me think. Yeah, she was... Okay, I had literally just gotten out here. Okay, I was living in New York. And I was working in advertising. And I was um, writing sketches. Sat- I was writing sketches for Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. They didn't know I was writing sketches for them, but I was doing it. Right. Uh, Somebody I knew knew uh, a manager named Barry Secunda. Okay. He managed Franken and Davis. Yeah. And um, another guy I feel like I owe a lot to because he didn't hang up on me. He didn't like he, he said, come in, let me read your stuff. He read all my shitty sketches that were, At the time, I thought, this is genius. Now, when I read them now, I'm like, Yeah. But, so he hooked me up with a manager here in L.A. that he knew. And he was very encouraging. This is Barry Secunda. He said, look, your stuff is great. You have the potential, but you've got to get out to California. You can't. You cannot be a a full-time comedy writer from New York. It's very difficult. That's one thing when people call me for advice, I always ask them. A lot of people, the main thing, they don't want to move away from their family, their home, their friends. That's the scariest thing you could do. Mm -hmm. But you've got to be ready to do it because you're very, very likely not going to get a job if you're not in Los Angeles. I say this all the time. Once you get good in Los Angeles... Once you get Michael Jamin level, you can live anywhere in the world. Yeah. I mean, not you, a different Michael Jammon. Yeah, not me. Yeah, I have to live in I have to live world. Uh, <laughs> and so um, I did. At that point, I made the choice. I'm going to move. And luckily, I had supportive parents. They were like, here's five grand, you know, uh, go move and chase your dream. They didn't, they didn't you know make fun of me or tell me not to do it or I PS it's not like I had much choice. I had one semester of Queen's College. Mm-hmm. I had I had no other real alternative. So, so you, you it's think not like you're... I am dropping out of med school. <laughs> so then I got here and uh and that first uh let me think. Yeah, pretty much the first week I was here is when I met Laverne. Wow. And got that job. Maybe it was two weeks. Um, I, I don't know if I, did I ever tell you the story of, I, um, I moved from New York, okay? I give up the most phenomenal studio rent. Anyone who knows New York, like it's such incredible thing to get a rent controlled or rent stabilized apartment. Right. I, I, I still remember $580 a month for a gorgeous studio. They had just redone it. Knew everything. Wow. And I had to make a choice. Do I leave this and move? I mean, I would still be living in that apartment. But, uh, so I, finally, I got the guts to move. Okay? My agent, I. what happened is, I'll, I'll give a little secret. I don't even know if they do this anymore, but... There's something they made back then called the Hollywood Creative Directory. Right. Okay. It was a big green book and it had all the agents in it. Right. Their phone numbers, what agencies they were with. So what I would do every day after my day, my shitty day job, which made me want to hang myself. In advertising. Yeah. I worked at CBS. Uh, um with a couple of very nice people I, they were not the problem i was the problem <laughs> just get that out of the way um so i uh i i went out to a couple of agents in la about 3 or 4 of them said we really love your material well, well i was shocked i didn't think i was going to get any agent uh-huh. And as it is, I wound up getting my pick of about three or four, not not a level, right. but you know, B plus level, some pretty good agents, right. Uh, what we now would probably call boutique agents. you know right. the somebody at Broder was interested, Broder curlin. yeah, so yeah. So right? yeah, I mean, you you know of what I speak. Yeah. So but listen to this again, it gets, it gets so great. I I decide to load... I've never been to Los Angeles in my life. I load everything up on a truck. My buddy, I know one person in L.A., he goes, stay on my couch until you find yourself in an apartment. It's fine. I said, okay, great. I appreciate it. I get out here. The agent that uh, decided to take me on, I don't know if I should give her name or not, but... She says, I want, uh, I want you to meet me. There was a place called Cafe Figaro. Yes. I don't know if you remember it. It was on Melrose. It was like a big... In West Hollywood, right? In West Hollywood. Yeah. And I was, like I said, doing the multiple credit card thing. And I needed a job. So I had just applied there to Cafe Figaro. And they were about to start me on Monday. So here I am meeting with my agent on like a Wednesday, Thursday prior to starting. Right. So I meet her, right? Now now picture this. My stuff is still on a moving truck coming across the country uh, with no destination because I haven't found an apartment yet. Right. I'm going to look for an apartment and I'm gonna then call the moving company and say, here's where you need to deliver to. So in the meantime, over lunch, as we're having lunch, this agent is acting kind of odd. And I'm like, why is she acting so weird? Okay. So finally it comes out. She says, listen, I need to let you know, I'm leaving the agency. It was innovative artists. Yeah. She goes, I'm leaving the agency. And I'm like, I'm not joking. I just got there. I hadn't been there 24 hours. Right. I'm like, okay, uh, well, I'll go with you. Where are you going? She says, no, I'm leaving the business entirely, and I'm suing them for sexual harassment. I'll, we'll have to get the
0: name afterwards. I think I'm ahead to you. You the same agent.
1: <laughs> so she... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> Well, uh, I have to say that we turned out to be good friends as time went on. She, w- I don't want to give too many specifics, but we'll talk after. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk off the air. Yeah. but uh, <laughs> All The good stuff is off the air. I don't want the four people listening to know. Her. <laughs> um, but what happened is... Uh, And by the way, capping this whole thing, when we get outside to get our cars, she goes, do you have money? I don't have any money and I can't pay the valet. (laughs) I paid for her valet. But but here's where the story turns into like a positive. Like Uh I called all the agents back that I had, that that had been willing to take me on. And that I had passed on. And I told them what happened. I said, you know, I came out. Luckily, I had left it on good terms. And I did wind up connecting with uh, a great agent um, at uh, Premier Artists. Mm -hmm. Her name was Susan Sussman.
0: Okay.
1: A great, one of those agents that knows how to start people on their way to their, you know, to their first job. This is back in the days when people had actual patience with your career and and would nurture you along. And, you know, you remember that. Baby. Um, and and, so, and she was great. And um, that was when I fortuitously met this woman from Klasky Chupo. And I, I, within two days or something, I called Susan Sussman. Right, and I said, "Look, I think I may have a job. Can you negotiate this for me?" Mm-hmm. And the rest was history. She took me on, and um, and that was that. Yeah, but then why did you then why did you leave Real Monsters so
0: quickly though? I left
1: Real Monsters because I got it was a it, Real Monsters was a, a Nickelodeon right. children show, right. and that wasn't while it was writing and a great introductory job, it wasn't my dream. I mean, I didn't come out to write light children's comedy and you who know me, that's not really my wheelhouse. Right, So I should, go on. Uh, yeah, I, I left because um, I had gotten through a friend, a contact to do this show called The News. It was a takeoff of Saturday Night Live, directed by the son of Don Wilson, who directs Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. His name was Michael Wilson. He was the producer of the Good news. One. And it, it was sketch shows. Uh-huh. And we had so much fun. Like, it was such a great gig. It was like everyone off in their offices writing sketches. Mm-hmm. And then what would happen is every three weeks, we all went down to Florida, to Orlando for budget reasons and we shot on the whatever that Dollywood or whatever it was, some sound stages down wow. there. Wow. It was such a great gig, so much fun. Now I would probably be a little snobby about it, but at the time it was just a great job. And uh we would shoot, we would write all the sketches in LA at Sunset Gower. Right. Some of the writers would write one or two sketches with each other, right. some alone. And the best sketches made it down to Florida and got, you know. What became of some of those? Got read and got on the air.
0: Because sketch writing is so specific. Did many, did many of them go on to sitcom writing or are you in touch with any of them? I'm in
1: touch with a couple of them. Not many made the transition. Yeah. I um, guess what are they I'm Trying do? to say? No, there's not a lot of sketch
0: work for people. So, like, if you can't do it, you're screwed. I mean, if you can't do something else,
1: what are you going to do? There's not a lot of work for Yeah, people. I mean, sketch is a very, very specific art. Yeah. That you either get it or you don't. How to yeah. end the sketch. Right. Sometimes there is no end and you just chop it off in a very douchey, uncomfortable way. I'm sure everyone has seen those sketches where you're like, wait, that's the ending? <laughs> um, but but that said, it was like the kind of job where you went in, you did as well as, as you let yourself do. There was no one looking at their watch.
0: Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, Join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you. And it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com watchlist watch list. Okay. So you were, I'm sorry. So you were saying you were working as a property manager. It was
1: reaching a point though where I was, it was so tempting to have free rent but i was getting i was being pulled in two directions it was like i'm getting my sketches on the air and i'm getting a call my Fine. my toilet is bloated <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like running home from a table read to fix the toilet you know so finally again much like new york i had to make a hard choice and get away from the comfortable These look pretty good on me. And get away from the comfortable. And I and I quit the job. And I wound up getting a uh uh moving out, getting an apartment, and and that was that. And then from there, uh let me think. From there, oh yeah, then I wrote an Ellen spec. Remember Ellen? Yeah, of course. With Ari Gross and I love that show. Yeah. Um and by the way, here this is a great lesson for anyone who who cares enough to listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, a lot of times people say, like, I I wrote a lot of specs. I probably wrote about twelve or fifteen right. specs. I wrote a Herman's Head. I wrote a lot of you know just shows I really liked. I didn't worry so much about will it get made? Will it? I just knew it was it was like sharpening my right my knife, you know, and, um, I wrote an Ellen, which everybody was like, why are you writing an Ellen? No one's watching it. It's not, you know, back then the big ones were like mad about you and Seinfeld. And I said, I just love it. You know, I don't know. I mean, I love it. So I want to write it. Right. And so I wrote it. And then Michael Whitehorn, who I co-created, King of Queens with he and I had already worked together on a show called, he had hired me on a show called Ned and Stacy with Tom Church. Right, that was another great show. Yeah, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Michael was a great teacher and mentor. He would let me come to the mixes. The I mean, as a, you know, I was still a staff writer at right. that point. And he was bringing me to the mixes to edit just kind of you did he take like did he really just like he, he was sort of like taking anybody who felt they wanted to go a lot of people just wanted to go home uh-huh. after a long day but if you were really dedicated and wanted to learn he was 100 about including you and explaining how come you're doing that why can't you you know why? Why can't we do it this way? And he would explain. And I mean, some really just dumb questions I would ask him, and he he was great. Yeah. And I think from Ned and Stacy, it became obvious we worked well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that when King of Queens came along, he was very open to um, to writing something together. Sony had a stand-up comic on stand or whatever, a holding deal, which was Kevin James. And Michael called me and he said, look, I found this comic. I think he's pretty special. What do you think? And I watched it. And uh, I thought he was incredible, too. Now, if I'm being honest, I needed the gig. I probably would have said he was incredible no matter what, but... He was. You could just tell Kevin was special.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, so the next thing you know, Michael and I are writing uh, uh, this pilot together, and yeah, and that was another great experience. We wrote the whole thing in like three weeks. Mm -hmm. It took no time at all. It was like you know, you know how it is. Like uh, even with songwriters, I always talk about. When they write a great song, it doesn't take it doesn't take a month. It takes ten minutes.
0: Right. But what's interesting and that's
1: how but you like well what's interesting is because
0: like it was his clout. you know, you you he needed you. You had a good idea, but he also you needed him, right? Because he was he had a lot more clout. He was way bigger. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, very much so. In fact, some of those people think, well, how am I gonna how do I sell my show? But
1: They're like people off the street. Like, you you know, you have to find someone who's in the position who can sell a show, you know? Yeah, I mean, without getting into too many specifics, I will say that after Ned and Stacy, I was sort of the golden child. Uh, You know, in the new writers that were out here, I was a little bit sought after. Uh And I got on a show... That doesn't need to be named, but it was not for me. It started out as one show and became another. Uh And I just felt like, hey, this isn't what I signed on to do. Uh And that made them very angry. I, coming from New York, thought, I'm going to use the honesty approach. I'm just going to tell it like it is. Well, it would have been better for me just to say my uncle died and, uh, you know, I got to leave mm-hmm. instead of the truth because the truth hurt. The truth was I'd rather they kept asking me. In fact, I remember what show are you what show are you going to? What did you get an offer? I keep saying I don't have any other offer. It's not about another show. I I had the balls even yeah. at that point. Yeah, You, you say, would never do that now, ever. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I would now. Uh, but at that time, I just was filled with myself enough that I said, you know. So what happened was it, in that interim is when Kevin, is when Michael came to me with Kevin. Mm-hmm. And the studio was the same studio of the show I just left. Mm-hmm. And they were not having it. They were like, "We want you never to work again. We intend on ruining you. We want to squash you like a bug." They were very upset at my hubris that I had said. Uh, you know, they they were done. But then- and to Michael's credit,
0: uh huh,
1: he fought for me. I, I mean, he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. but he like went to the mat. He was like, look, if, if you don't bring David in on this, I, I'm not going to write it.
0: Wow. And that show made a ton of money. Your show made a ton of money for the studio. It did.
1: It did well. Yeah. Yes, it did very well. Yeah. Right. It changed my life. He changed my life. Michael changed my life.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah. Okay. Go on. Do you want to tell a little more, any more of that creating King of Queens or like, you know, getting it, you know, how the pilot shot and I'm sure people want to hear like you're I Yeah,
1: know. sure. Um Yeah, we wrote the pilot. Like I said, it took two or three weeks. Uh-huh. It just flowed. It was like.
0: And then casting it. Okay, you had you had Kevin for sure. And then you had a cast. Well, we'd
1: already had Kevin and we knew we were well, the second we met with Leah. We knew that's our couple. Right. We had tried to get Jerry Stiller, but he didn't want to do it initially. He was coming off of Seinfeld, Seinfeld, and he just didn't really want to do another series. But when he read the script, I guess it clicked. He got it. So once we had those three in place... We, it, you know, it, it it came together at that point.
0: How were the ratings in the beginning when you finally got on the air?
1: The ratings in the beginning were solid, but not stellar. Right. Um. We built uh, pretty well. We uh, the the thing that benefited us a lot was being friend being Kevin being friends with Ray Romano. Mm-hmm. Kevin doing guest spots on Ray's show. Right. Uh, there was a lot of crossover and a lot of helping hands, and it made it a lot easier to, you know, to stick around a while and to do, do crossovers because they were in each other's worlds.
0: It's so sad because those days are over. Those days of those multi-camera, you know, it just seems like yeah, it's over, you know,
1: yeah, it is kind of sad. I mean, it's unfortunate because it's a great format if you do it right and in not a not a hacky old-fashioned way but and then
0: so the okay so you did that show 200 or so episodes because I okay i want to say how i met you i met you we were on i was on out of practice we were both on out. and i guess we run on as a consultant you're full-time on out of practice right
1: i had an overall deal at paramount Right. And they assigned me to out of practice. I think it was like two days or three days a week.
0: Yeah. And I remember being on that show. That was Chris Lloyd and Joe King and Chris Lloyd, he later co created Modern Family. Chris Lloyd, he ran Frasier. he has more Emmys on him. He has a mantle full of Emmys. Like that won't Yeah. Chris is a. Emmys. And so Chris is really one of the most highly regarded writers in Hollywood, you know, comedy writers in Hollywood. And I just remember, and I could be remembering it wrong, but in my memory meeting you, it was this is how you would write a scene if you wanted to have a comedy writer join a, a TV show. If you're writing a scene, a comedy writer enters a room. <laughs> this is how you would have written it. Because I remember we were working on a story, and you, you, were, you were late, and you came in, your face is, you, you burst into the door, like we're working something, suddenly the door flies open, and then your face is kind of red because you're, you're probably running through the parking lot because you're gonna be late. And you're carrying right. a couple of boxes of, of gum, gum, <laughs> and and the room was full silent, right? Because you, you just bound in. You're like, "Sorry, I'm late." And then I I think I was the first to break the silence. I was like, "Okay, oh, you brought the gum, right?" And you go, yeah, yeah, and you without missing a beat, go yeah, yeah, I got plenty of gum. Don't worry about the gum. And you just set it down and you pull out your seat. And that's exactly how <laughs> that's how a comedy writer enters a room in your and your script. <laughs> oh, <my> God, <laughs> <laughs> and you were I remember. The rumor was that you were brought onto the show because <clears throat> so, so so some comedy writers are are they, you know they're not very funny in real life but they can write they can write a scene they know how to be funny on paper and then some comedians just are just funny the minute you meet them <laughs> right and that was you and you came in and it was really part of it was like this guy David Litt, he's we want him because he's going to lighten the mood he's just kind of he's going to make <laughs> he's going to lighten the mood in the room. <laughs> And that's exactly what you did every day. It was always, (laughs) I mean, I can't remember. There's so many.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I love, I really surprised myself with how much I loved working with Joe Keenan and Chris Lloyd. Like, yeah, yeah, their reputation was a little bit maybe serious and they they weren't like jokesters. Uh What'd you say? They were the Fraser guys, so they had this reputation of being kind of,
0: you know, these really you know, smart and serious uh, writers. And and they certainly were, both are amazing, amazing, amazingly talented writers. Oh, yes. They had this seriousness about them, and you were brought on almost like the comic relief to the comedy writers.
1: Yeah, I think they enjoyed me like, I was like the fun monkey.
0: Right, and it was because... That was because you had already had your King of Queens money. <laughs> like none of us had that money in our back pocket, but you. Right.
1: Everybody, everybody was, was nervous. We, we were worried about being fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I was a little more relaxed because I wasn't sweating it so much. But once I got to know them, I wanted to do a great job for them. No.
0: Yeah. But uh, I remember one time. This is one of my favorite stories. Is that we're we're stuck on a story beat. We're stuck on this thing for, I don't know, an hour or so, whatever, we're struggling this beat. And then you, and then you kind of broke the silence. So you go, okay, here's the bad version. Let me tell you the bad version of the scene. And then you spent like five minutes laying out what you, you thought like, what's the hackiest worst version of the scene? Uh-huh. Uh, and then Chris Lloyd just looks at you, goes, uh-huh. What's the good version? And you just go, oh, I don't have that.
1: <laughs> and you no almost fucking lost it
0: oh my god was so it was so funny oh oh my god was that
1: was that the room where um i used to have some funny bits that i would like literally take around different rooms in there. yeah i'm trying to remember was that the one where i would do milk and cookies time where i would like stop for a minute just no totally i would say to, to chris i'd go chris it's milk and cookies time and he'd go okay go ahead and I would literally just shut off and have milk and cookies at my desk while everybody else continued to work. It was so funny. I remember you coming in. I remember you, go, I mean, I remember you coming in, you got. You
0: were the, one of the first people to buy an iPhone. And then, and I think you came in with a, I think you upgraded to an iPhone 2. And you came and you like, this iPhone 2 is gonna change my life. It's gonna change my life. And I said, I think I said, no, but you said the same thing about the first time you got the first iPhone. The iPhone, we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I said that, but I I mean it now. I mean it. <laughs> the two, <laughs> my life. I know I said it before, but the two is going to change my life. The two <laughs> is the one. <laughs> You're fighting so much. Oh, my God. I just, we just, you just made everyone laugh so much. I remember one time, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't even say it, but I'm going to say it anyway, unless you tell me to cut it out. We were on the stage floor watching rehearsal and you lean over to me real quietly and you go, do you think Chris would mind if I flew to New York now? (laughs) I think he would because he's he's paying you. He wants you here for the rewrite. And you go, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. And that was the last I heard of it. And then we go back to the room and you're nowhere to be found. (laughs) And then he, <laughs> the phone rings a couple hours later. And I'm like, hey, man, look, where, where are you? And you go, I'm at the airport. I'm getting on a plane. I can't talk. <laughs> I can't tell Chris I'm not going to make it. <laughs> 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 it's just so funny. And I, <coughs> we were just like all just laughing about it. We were just, everyone were the funniest, ballsiest thing.
1: Yeah, you're right. He'd get mad.
0: <laughs> I
1: did. I pulled a great one. I was on According to Jim. And the way they worked there, each room would take a half Mm -hmm. of the script and go off. Uh, And um, I remember it was like, we had our half, you know, and we were all working. And one day after, I don't know, we were maybe 10 pages in, I got up and I, I, to go to the, ostensibly to go to the bathroom. But instead, I couldn't fight the urge to just keep going to my car and go home. (laughs) I couldn't fight it. (laughs) So I get home, and there's the greatest messages from the producer of the show going, David, hi, it's Suzanne. Um, You just left to go to the bathroom, and uh, you haven't come back yet. We're just getting concerned. So uh, just, you know, I guess we'll see you in a couple minutes. And then like another 10 minutes, another message. Uh, David, it's Suzanne. Could you let us know what happened? Um, we, you're not back here and we're, we're getting worried. And then the third message was like, did you go home? <laughs> Wait, did you get in trouble for doing that? I did
0: not. <laughs> See, if you're funny enough, you can get away with this stuff. Um I would well, that's what you know my, the
1: lesson I'd like to impart if there is one. Uh-huh. It it's really is fun to be a wise ass and funny and make everybody laugh, but like you got to bring something to the table or you're just going to get fired. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got it's great to be funny and crazy and do bits and hopefully bring up the level of people's spirits in the room because it can get yeah. it can get arduous. Yeah. Yeah. But if that's all you do and you're not contributing, you're gonna be a distraction and you're gonna get so that that's something that gets earned over time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. And then well what and so what
0: and oh God, that just hurts it hurts my stomach thinking how funny that would <laughs> <laughs> be.
1: Tell them the story. About uh about the uh the what do you call it, the drone. The drone. Was that with you where I brought a drone in no. on uh a... yeah. oh no wait, that was Big Bang.
0: Yeah, you alright, so I, I should mention these are you also worked on Big Bang for a little bit. What did you do what what was
1: that story? Yeah, what who was that if it wasn't you? Shit. Well, I bought a drone. Mm. Okay. And, uh, you know, at the time they were very new, you know, they yeah. go up a hundred feet and over. And so I bring it in <laughs> and I'm like, Hey guys, how neat are these? And it was another writing group. Oh, I know who it was. It was, uh, do you know, Peter? Uh, oh God. Mm. Shit. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It, it was, it, you would know him. But we all went outside to like use this brand new technology. So I'm like, guys, check it out. You know, next thing we know, I let it, you know, it goes up and continues to go up. I couldn't get it to go down and we lost it in the sun. We're looking and we never found it. It just got stuck in the treetop. It's probably still there. (laughs) It was like a $120 drone. I used it once <laughs> to, to make it go 100 feet in the air. I never saw it oh, no. again.
0: <laughs> that was the fun we had. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the... People don't... It really, Sitcom writer really is a, is a fun job
1: if, if you're with funny people. Um, but it's not so funny. It's a great job. Yeah. I don't know... People need to understand I am a dinosaur. I mean, I, the experiences I had, you probably wouldn't have anymore. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, which is a real shame because it's comedy and it should be fun.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny. It was because uh, Jay Kogan did, do you know Jay? Have you
1: worked with Jay? Yeah, of course. I've never, oh, okay. I worked with Jay on Den <laughs> Stacy.
0: Oh, wow because he, he he did uh, he, this podcast a couple of a week or two ago, and uh, he kind of said the same thing, that, you know, rooms have time to change, that he would do a lot of room bits, and you kind of really can't really do so many of those room bits anymore, but for for what it's worth, better or worse, but you know, uh, you know, the, the world has changed. And I don't remember, I even remember after out of practice, you really wanted to do you kind of just wanted to consult. You wanted to come in a couple of days a week and consult, which was something you could do couple years before you could there was there was some demand for that and now there's just no there's no room for that
1: anymore yeah yeah the the real em- emeritus writers you know the writers that were really um looked up to yeah. could get a job a day on uh, doing punch-up on one show a day on another mm-hmm And those times right around then went away and there were no more jobs to be had of that ilk. Yeah. I mean, that was my complete, you know, uh, that was my absolute dream was to be able to go to one show two days a week and maybe another show another two days a week. Right. Um, and have fun and have a great time, but the budgets at that time started shrinking and the, the, the allowance for somebody to come in one day a week just wasn't there. Part, part of, I think about that, like,
0: part of what we, the benefit what we had when we were coming up is that we, like, we almost came through in a school. Like, you get on a sitcom, you would learn from the people who were, had a ton of experience before you, and everyone kind of came from the school. You learn the craft from people before you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, that doesn't really exist anymore because those shows don't exist. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of winging it a little bit. If you're a young
1: writer, you're kind of winging it. There's also a bit of a scary environment now. I think there's a lot of competition
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it, it's putting somebody under your wing and being patient with them is, you don't see it as much because you could be costing yourself the job. You could be training somebody to take a job away from you um well also i don't i mean maybe
0: i don't know my experience is that the orders are shorter you're not going to be on a certain if you're on a streaming show you might be doing 10 weeks out of the year or whatever for you know you're not doing you know working 35 weeks or 40 weeks you're mm-hmm. week. so, yeah what you got going on in there crackly <laughs> He's gonna have nothing me. what are you <laughs> having a pastrami sandwich <laughs> All right. Um, that's so, and so what do you do now? What, what, I know you were developing on the side. You're constantly working on stuff. What's going on? Right there?
1: now, I'm being a little lazy. I should be better at what I'm doing, but I'm working on a screenplay. I had a screenplay idea. Mm-hmm. And that was my next step, was I wanted to become a script doctor. You know, I really wanted to come in and do and, you know, quote, fix screenplays, punch right. them up, etc. Right. I don't um, know how many for that either. I don't either. I mean, I, my feeling is like, do, do what you love and do the best you can at it. And don't worry so much about the money. I have the luxury to be able to right. do that. Right. But I, I really love... You know, my dream would be to get a call and come in and work a couple of days a week on punching this script up or making that script funny. But, um, you know, for now, I I like working on an idea. I had an idea that kind of hit me. That's something I want to finish. So that's what I'm doing right now. And it's great because your time's your own. You know, you can work on it in the morning and, and do whatever you want later in the day. I'm also trying to do some dog rescue stuff. You're a dog rescue? So you walk around with a net into alleys? <laughs> yes, and it's boy, like in the cartoons. I'm I chase them with a big cargo net. <laughs> no, I found out this horrifying thing that there are these wet markets in China that eat dogs alive. Alive.
0: Right. Alive?
1: That's alive. Too, that's too fresh. That's too fresh. Yeah. Um. So I've wanted to start volunteering for dogs for a while. So I'm looking, I'm, I'm thinking about, I've been taking care of a cat for like the past four months. Right. She has since disappeared as of last week. I can't find her anymore. T-
0: taking care is not the right word then.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> taking bad care. Let me that. Um. But the, the writing is something I will never stop doing. I mean, I love it. it you know, some days, even a week, I might go and, uh, you know, get lazy and drop off. But it keeps me sane. It's a fun way to keep your imagination going. Yeah. And, you know, it's really a different thing when you're doing it. For yourself as opposed to as a job or to make money or to pay your bills that's a different set of stress and responsibilities do you have any other do you have any other advice for new aspiring writers
0: any advice for what
1: new and uh, new and upcoming writers it is a great way to make a living there is nothing more satisfying yeah than making a living as a writer but just stick with it, you know? Don't right. treat it like something you do when you feel like it. If you want to write, give yourself hours. I don't know how you guys write, but, like, yeah. I make sure I'm in front of that computer at least three, four hours a day, 11 till 2, 11 till 3. Right. And if nothing comes at all, fine. But I was there trying to write. and. Right. Um, Sometimes you're going to get something great and sometimes you're not but you got to put the time in to do it. Absolutely right. David Led, creator of Co-Creative of of campaigns, a friend of many years. Thank you
0: so much for sharing your wisdom with uh with that, with this podcast here with everyone. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me buddy. I really yeah. All right, uh I enjoy doing it. That's it everyone. So thank you for listening. If you, again, I'm going to plug what else we got going on here. If you want to sign up for my free uh, weekly newsletter, it's michaeljammin.com slash watch list to find out what's going on there. And uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, and I don't know when this is going to drop, but of course I got my, um, for my touring schedule to see me for, see my uh, one man show of paper orchestra, you can go to michaeljammin.com slash upcoming sign up there. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And thank you again, David Litt. Hey, it's Michael. One more thing. Come see me perform. I'm going to be in Boston area, actually, Amesbury, Massachusetts, on November 12th and 13th uh, at the Actor's Studio performing my show, A Paper Orchestra. Uh, and then I'm going to be back in Los Angeles on December 10th and 11th, again, at the Moving Arts Theater Company. So tickets are on sale. Go get them at michaeljammin.com live. It's a small, intimate venue. I'm going to be performing from my collection of personal essays, and each one's going to be followed by, like, a 20-minute Q&A. We get to talk about the work. It's a fun event. So I hope to see you there. Go get them. Tickets, again, are at michaeljammin.com live. And, of course, sign up to my weekly newsletter. That's called The Watch List at michaeljammin.com watchlist. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.